everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Conspiracy Pilled. I am your host, PJ Williams. With me, as always, is my co-host, Abby Libby. Abby, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm tired. I'm good. I'm good. I'm tired. Hello. I just got done with my uh, son's uh, football practice. That was kind of fun. So Yeah. Yeah, I watched, uh, just got done watching a bunch of six-year-olds run around trying to, to catch a football. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a that good day. Awesome. Uh, so, what do you what do you got for us today, Abby? What are we talking about? Well, we are going to cover a documentary called Loose Change that sparked the idea that there could be a conspiracy behind 9/11. Loose Change was released in 2006, so it was it was a little while after it went viral online before YouTube. It was made by a handful of young guys, uh, one of whom was uh, an an Iraq Afghanistan war veteran who was unhappy with with how things had gone. And um, last year, on the 20th anniversary, a bunch of, of major news sites, the Washington Post, New York Times, all of these, wrote some hit pieces about this, basically saying that this documentary, Loose Change, launched all the conspiracies in all the world, Trumpism, QAnon, everything. It just casts a shadow over the whole landscape. Yeah, I find it funny because last week we talked about MK Ultra, which in the 1970s definitely spurred on a lot of different type uh, conspiracy type stuff. And then obviously Loose Change uh, is defining conspiracy theories in, uh, in this generation, really in our generation. Um, and the hit pieces were pretty bizarre. Uh, I don't know. I also noticed, like, in doing the research for this, that there's two Loose Change documentaries, kind of, right? Yeah. How, how does that work? So basically, it came out in segments, and then they smushed them all together into the first edition. Yeah. And then later on, I think that they did more research and did uh, a final cut that's voiced by a more professional narrator. Professional so narrator have, music. It, it was it was a higher yeah. production quality for sure. Yeah, and I think that the arguments were better. Um, they they dropped some, some weaker arguments from the from the first version. So I believe we have both linked in the show notes. Is that correct? I I don't think they're linked right now. If you're watching live, I'm going to add them in the show notes okay. when we finish. Yeah, I forgot to do that before we started, but okay. yeah, they'll be there. Um, so. We're going to link both of you. They're really, really hard to find. Um, it used to be that you could see it on Amazon Prime, at least. Um, and there's been a push to scrub this documentary from the internet. And I found, after much digging, the final cut on a random YouTube channel with like 8,000 followers. It was just yeah. a pirated copy of it. And then the other one I found on an even smaller channel. So... We'll, we'll throw the links in there. Yeah, I, I want to say like before we get started on the 9-11 conspiracy stuff, there was a few few interesting things about that. So when the, the Loose Change documentary says it's on Amazon, but not if you're in America, um, which right. is interesting. I think if you use a VPN, you can probably watch it. Um, but uh, just watch on YouTube for free, I guess. And then the other thing I was thinking is like uh, this is just part to this is part of that whole thing of like scrubbing every QAnon right wing leaning conspiracy yeah. theory but but I find that so fascinating that they're trying to make this connection between Trump and QAnon and all these conspiracies when we all know this is a left wing conspiracy it like right? like it was yeah because I mean Bush was in charge so like Republicans were you know very hesitant to believe that he was evil or that Cheney was evil because uh, of partisan politics and it was a very much left wing thing for a long time and it's not anymore I think it right. kind of spans across the political spectrum pretty evenly 
I would say it does. I think there's probably just as many people on the left who believe that it's, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, the the link to try to like change history and make this uh, some evil right wing conspiracy when uh, Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld and all these people are at the center of it, it's kind of kind of funny. Right? So, yeah. Spoilers, PJ. Sorry. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know so if you guys weird. have heard of 9-11. It happened like, you know, 21 years ago. So too soon. I don't know. Uh, okay my question is did they start to scrub it on the 20 year anniversary i would guess they did because that's when all of this scrubbing took place i mean we you (laughs) could say elections were rigged and faked for my whole lifetime until 2020 right yeah so or i guess 2021 technically but yeah The, the 2020 was more of the COVID stuff so it started with covid scrubbing the internet of any uh, thing they didn't like. And then 2021, it continued and got worse with the election stuff. So I would, mm-hmm. I would assume that, that that's when it started was in 2020. That's when the hit pieces started. So it makes sense. There's always collusion between, uh, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you got? For, let's let's uh, where do we start with this thing? Yeah. So we're just going to start to we're just going to summarize what the documentary covered. And um, there's more to the conspiracy. But we're just going to focus in on the documentary. So we'll right, that well, let's first. get started with the documentary itself. In September, I, I don't. Uh, sorry, I don't think that they can hear you when that thing is running. Just so you know. Oh. So <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think when the stinger is running, <laughs> it doesn't. You, they so can't hear cool. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're all good. So in in 2000, this is before Bush was elected, uh, a group of people uh, called the Project for the New American Century that included Cheney, Rumsfeld, Jeb Bush, a bunch of other people who uh, conveniently ended up in the Bush White House after he got elected in. They released a report September of 2000 called rebuilding America's defenses. We are, we have this or will have this linked in the show notes as well. So you don't have to take my word for it, but basically they are making a bunch of recommendations about rebuilding America's defenses. um, What we need kind of coming out of the cold war uh, and, and looking at the future as far as what our military should look like. And they make all of these recommendations and they state you know, all of this stuff is, is super important, but it's going to happen really, really slowly unless there's like a new Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that's in there. Yeah, it is in there. there there's a lot of weird stuff. In there. I was just pointing this out right before we went live. I was kind of skimming through it. it. Even it even talks about Space Force. Back in 1998, I didn't even see that in my skim. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, well, let me see what it says exactly. Well, it says um, creating a new military service with the mission of space control. So Space Force. Yeah. Anyway, continue. So, so yeah, a strong suggestion, strong hint, hint, nudge, nudge that we should have a new Pearl Harbor. And without getting too much into that, PJ, do you want to just do a quick, what is this Pearl Harbor stuff about? I think you've been paying attention to the Pearl Harbor stuff more than me, but basically there's a lot of, uh, let's just put it this way, throughout history, throughout American history in particular, there have been a lot of attacks and things that have got us into wars that don't always play out exactly the way uh, in history that we thought of originally. Uh, we talked about mm-hmm. Lusitania, World War One. It was supposedly a, a military sh- or supposedly a civilian ship. We find out way later it's a military ship. We find out that uh, they knew Pearl Harbor was coming before it happened and, and likely let it happen. You got the Gulf of Tonkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, 
you know, it does seem like the, every war we get into, I don't know. There's a there's a there's a attack, and maybe we knew about it, and maybe we caused it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the insinuation there. Yeah. So that happened. Bush gets into power, and then in that first period of time of the Bush White House. There is evidence that the FBI and the CIA had eyes on at least some, if not all, of the hijackers up to a couple years before and possibly groomed them for the role. Hashtag groomer. Hashtag okay groomer. Okay groomer. Okay groomer. And we're just going to have to gloss over this because I don't think that the documentary did a really good job collecting evidence on it. They, They pulled a few things, but I think that... This is actually really easy to believe, knowing what we know now about the FBI. And so for everything we have to cover tonight, I think we're just going to. I will say this. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off on that point. But like, (laughs) it's funny because and we've talked about this before. What we know now about the FBI, what our parents knew about the FBI in the 1970s. It seems like we, you know, what what people knew about the FBI when J. Edgar Hoover was running it. Like we 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 seem to know the FBI is super corrupt and then we forget because of Hollywood movies and whatever. And then, you know. It, it ebbs and flows of us being aware of their corruption. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the setup. Now here f- is the, the day of nine 11, big question. Where were our defenses? So where were they? Where were our defenses, Abby? I'm curious. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> so Bush and other admin members afterward said in, in various speeches that this was a failure of imagination, that we could not conceive of the concept of somebody flying planes into buildings. Uh, but that simply wasn't true. And it plays into what was going on that day and why our defenses were uh, tied up. So, so is he is he saying is he saying that only people in Hollywood could have seen this coming? <laughs> Sorry, only people only in all of the movies throughout the '90s that had planes crashing into the twin towers. The military, the FAA, yeah. NORAD, the yeah. CIA, like only those people. <laughs> only that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so hi- hijackings had happened before. So it was pretty standard practice for fighter jets to be scrambled to intercept any off-course airplanes or airplanes that had just lost radio or transponder contact. So for a reference point, between September 2000 and June 2001, there were 67 routine interceptions of fighter jets and regular airplanes. I had no idea it happened that much. But if a plane just gets a little bit off course, they scramble a jet. Yeah, it's and it, like I've heard the arguments from the other side saying, oh, well, they had to call this manager and this manager and this manager and then finally got to NORAD. But that doesn't seem to be the case in any other time right? that a plane has gone off course. And I, I don't know. I saw this wasn't in your notes. So I just want to add this to the idea yeah. of terrorists hijacking planes or not the idea. The practice of it started in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So this was a 30 year long thing that had been going on. So the idea that the, the CIA, the FBI, NORAD, which literally was set up entirely for this purpose, couldn't have right? seen this exact scenario coming is a it's, little sus. Yeah. I mean, what does NORAD stand for? Yeah, please tell us. I think, the I, North I think I American Aerospace Defense. Okay, I lost it. But it's literally like defense of the aerospace that we're talking about. Like it's, it's right. it was their job. 
Yes. It was their job to protect the aerospace. So if it is such a routine thing for fighter jets to be scrambled to intercept these off-course airplanes, why on 9-11 were four planes off-course and off-communication for over an hour with no intercept? Because at 8-19, allegedly, a flight attendant on Flight 11, the first one that hit, called ground crews warning that a hijacking was in progress. That plane didn't hit until 8.46. So they had they had a solid 20 minutes of knowing from, from a phone call. That, that was for that the first plane, plane right? Being, that was the very first okay. one. So even if they weren't able to do anything about that one, they still had a lot of time before the, the final one in so they can't act like they didn't know. But part of the problem is that there were a whole bunch of war games going on at the time that had NORAD tied up, that had all of the nearby military tied up. Every defense point in the area was tied up with war games simulating. What do you think that they were simulating? Yeah, I was going to say, what were they simulating, Abby? Could it have been um, like uh, an attack with planes or something like that? that they were running war games? Yeah, on, on the yeah they were running war games about planes running into buildings in terrorist attacks at NORAD. So at, at NORAD, at okay. these air force bases. So NORAD in connection with these, with these bases was running it. So basically the people who should have been watching the aerospace had overlays on their screens for the war game. Right. So they didn't know that what they were looking at was real or, or, that's what I was going to that's what I was going to say. So if you're playing a war game and your war game is pl- planes are crashing into buildings and you hear a plane crashed into a building, would you assume that you were all of a sudden out of the war game or would you assume that this was part of it? Cuz realism is part of war games. Yeah, but I, th- I guess the thing that doesn't make sense to me, it's it's almost like these things were an excuse to to explain why people who would otherwise have been paying attention weren't. But if you were playing a war game, wouldn't you have scrambled the jet? Wouldn't you have Well, I guess it depends the on the type of war game because if this is a war game for the for the nerd the the nerd guys the computer, they wouldn't really scramble a jet. They'd probably just like simulate scrambling a jet, to. right? So yeah. like <clears throat> I've played some war games before where you'll call in like an airstrike on somebody. Um, you, and like a plane doesn't usually fly over, but you know, you, you simulate that, you know, you have the coordinates mm-hmm. and the guys running the war games like, Hey, this is the coordinates they called in. You guys are all dead. Go sit in the tent. You're out of the, of the game. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've played war games like that in Louisiana and Australia before. So okay. I, I don't think they would have actually, like, it's pretty expensive to scramble a jet. So I don't know if they really would have, mm-hmm. or if it was just, if the training was for the guys, at the computers, it would have just been a simulation type thing. Maybe like Dun- like yeah. Dungeons and Dragons for the military. Essentially, they roll a die, you know, <laughs> 20. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So another part of this is that a lot of places were involved. I mean, this is multiple war games over multiple points of defense. And part of this included fighter jets that would have been in the area, having been moved up to Canada for other reasons. So. At the very least, like, how did Osama bin Laden know that this was the perfect day to do it? Like, the only day he could possibly have pulled this off was this day. This one day, yeah. So, what else What else was going on that day? What else was going on that day? So, that morning... Uh, this is something I didn't, I didn't know. I always thought that Bush heard about the first plane while he was reading the book to the kids at Booker Elementary. 
I thought that's, is that not what it was? That's what I thought it was. Not. He, according to Loose Change, he heard about the first plane before he entered Booker Elementary. And then he heard about the second plane in that iconic photo of that, of the guy, his aide whispering in his ear. Right. So he knew before he entered the building. Now he claims that he saw the first plane on live TV, but the first that doesn't work. I, I only it heard about Trump being raided on TV. We've heard this excuse before. Yeah, we've only heard about this on TV. I've never heard this before. The the footage of the first plane didn't even air until that evening. They didn't find a person who had happened to be filming at that time who happened to catch it uh, until that evening. So he, he, he says, oh, I saw it on TV. Nope. I mean, unless he saw something that the rest of us didn't see, he did not. They made another interesting point in the documentary too, which is the fact that like we've we've often heard the story like wasn't it uh, noble of Bush to stay in the elementary school and continue to read these kids yeah. um, because there's nothing you could do about it and all these things. The point that loose change makes I thought was much more compelling, which was the fact that his itinerary was published, I think, three days before three or four days before. Yeah. So everyone knew you could just look online. Everyone knew where he was going to be at that time that day. We have multiple terrorist attacks going on. The president wouldn't have been like forcefully escorted out by the Secret Service like, hey, we're under attack. That would mean you being very public figure, the leader of the free world in a public soft target place. Yeah, super soft, super weird. Yeah. And it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense that he walked in there at all, that the Secret Service let him walk in there at all, knowing that there had been a hit. Right. Um, I understand maybe some of the idea behind like once he was in there finishing the book to not frighten the children. But even then, I mean, <laughs> if that was security. his call, but the secret service, I don't think is going to be like, yeah, that's cool. We'll just like hang out here while somebody tr comes and tries this to blow up an elementary school. Yeah. So where do you think he went uh, from Booker elementary? So, I would assume, and I know this isn't the case, but I would assume he went right to a bunker or something. Yeah. No, no. He visited uh, one of the places running war games, and then he visited another one of the places running war games, and then he went back to the White House. Yeah. So one of the one of the interesting things, I don't think this was in loose change, but I've heard people say that uh, um, Cheney was effectively president that day till, what, 7 p.m. that night? Uh, so yep. there's some there's yeah, so I don't know if I was cutting off your notes, but uh, no, you're, you're good. You're good. I think we are ready for the next stinger. All right. Is that the right I one? I gotta be better. Was yes, that the right one? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be less awkward about my transitions with those. I'm it's all like, good. Hit it, PJ or something. Anyway. <laughs> Play it again, Sam. <laughs> Two planes, three towers. How old were you? How many days old were you when you found out that three towers fell in New York City that day? I feel like I think I was 20, which is weird because I remember watching this stuff like on the day I probably heard about it. And then, you know, a year goes by and you're watching the memorial and you're like, oh, the two towers in the Pentagon. And then, you know, they've got that movie flight 93 and you hear about that over and over and over. Mm -hmm. I have not to this day seen any type of memorial for World Trade Center seven. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I, I just found this out when we were researching for this. I have a vague <laughs> memory of hearing about it in a documentary that I watched when I was maybe 13. Uh, but 
World Trade Center was more than just two towers. It had it had you know building one and building two, and then it had several other buildings on its campus. Do you know how many it was? I know there was at least nine. Was it more than nine? I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. But I I know that Tower Seven was the the next biggest Mm -hmm. after the two towers, and that it was three hundred feet away. So uh, in a forty-seven story building, so not a small building at all. Definitely a skyscraper. So the North Tower was hit at 8.46, and it fell just a little bit over an hour later. So it only took an hour to f- uh, a little over an hour to fall. The South Tower was hit at 9.03. It was hit second, but it fell first, less than an hour after impact. And the official story is that the towers collapsed because of fire. They were hit near the top. They burned for just about an hour apiece, and then they just fell. Right. And Do you know, everyone, were, you, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's so interesting watching the live reporting from CNN as they're watching it come down. And their first instinct is to say, it's almost, it looks almost like those controlled building demolitions. It's just like they literally say that yeah. looks like a controlled demo. They don't believe it, but mm. that's their instinct. Yeah. Many news reports said this. And a few people at the time said before it went down, they heard explosions. Yeah, a lot of the firefighters who don't make stuff up, um, I'm married to one, they don't just like randomly, they're very cool and collected. They don't, they don't exaggerate. Well, not there's obviously weirdos, but I, I, I find the testimony of the firefighters more compelling than, than almost any other witness you could have seen. Because it was they more know than, what explosions sound like. It was more than one or two. It was many, many, yeah, many. It was, a, yeah, it was yeah. a lot. It was a lot. So the official story about Tower 7 is that falling debris hit it and caught it on fire. Right. And it burned all day. And then it fell at 520 that evening. So that's it's the one that burned the longest. So do you know, do you know what the first uh, steel construction tower to fall from a fire was uh i believe it was t- the south tower yeah it was the south tower it's never <laughs> happened in history before or since never. i know one and of the things three times in one day yeah three times in one day and one of the things they brought up was that there was a venezuelan tower that was what a hundred stories tall something like that it burned for like six or ten hours something much longer than I'm gonna, 45 yeah, minutes. i have a list of these you so do yeah, okay. let's do some comparison ones yeah. yes so um for for reference um, let's see. Let's see. I thought I had how many stories the the two towers were. They're big. They're they're significantly bigger than all of our reference points. But on August fifth, nineteen seventy, a fifty story building in New York burned for six hours, and that fire was spread out over four floors. Did not collapse. On May fourth, nineteen eighty eight, a sixty two story building in L A. Burned nearly four hours across five floors. Did not collapse. February 23rd, 1991, a 38-story building burned for 18 hours across eight floors in Philadelphia. This was one of the most significant fires in American history. Did not collapse. And, on, and the one you were referencing, on October 17th in 2004, a 56-story building in Venezuela, in a third-world country. Well, that's why I brought it up. I'm like, in Venezuela? <laughs> really? Burned for 17 hours over 26 floors. Did not collapse. 
But the the Twin Towers burn for just about an hour apiece over four floors and collapsed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, other yeah, other <clears throat> buildings around, other other ones that were not Tower 7, hotel across the street, other parts of World Trade Center, they were hit with falling debris and they burned for the same length of time and they their structure remained. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because like people didn't know about World Trade Center 7. A lot of people don't know. And uh and people don't know about any of the other buildings that were damaged. I think World Trade Center 9 was much closer and it was shorter, but it had significant yeah. parts of the building like fall on top of it and it did not it did not collapse. Yeah. So there are two things that I think can be said here because I've heard I've heard some of the debunks. One is that these towers, the, the at least the two, not Tower 7, but but the Twin Towers were significantly taller than even the Venezuela building that potentially um, uh, Katie's in the chat saying she loves my hat. Thanks, Katie. (laughs) Um, Potentially the height of the buildings contributed to them being not comparable to these other buildings that happened to stand in. I I don't know if I buy that, but I think it's a reasonable argument. I think another argument that I've heard is that it's possible that corners were cut in the building of the buildings and that the, the way that these collapsed had to do with bad bolts, bad construction. You know, it was a conspiracy, but not the kind we're thinking. Yeah. Well, I like that. I guess that's why I bring up the Venezuela one, because I'm thinking to myself, if you know anything about <laughs> construction in the United States and right? all of the regulations and things like that, it's hard for me to believe that uh, a building in Venezuela did not cut as many corners, burnt, what, 17 floors, 20 or sorry, 17 hours across so 26 floors. That's like yeah. half the building on fire for 17 It's difficult hours. to believe. Very difficult to believe. Yeah. I, I believe both of the... the the twin towers were, were over a hundred stories. So they were the tallest buildings in the world before the Sears tower. So they are, they are tall. Yeah. Really, really big. So, but when, when you do, Oh, we should do the controlled demolition. All right. So controlled demolition is the primary conspiracy theory. I think that that there could be something to the construction thing, but the primary conspiracy is that that these buildings coming down was a controlled demolition, which just means that charges would have been placed in opportune spots and set off, um, and then they would have fallen because of those explosions. you have to, with buildings that are built like that, you have to basically sever the the, the girders uh, at the base of the tower. You would have to set them off at the base of the tower in order to bring it down like that. Uh, and the type of explosive that that's done with is called nanothermite. Now, independent researchers in, in the aftermath claimed that they found residue of nanothermite. However, before any official person could do research, um, all of the debris was quickly packed up, shipped overseas, sold to the lowest bidder, 
So we don't have any proof, like real solid proof that there was nanothermite. Right. Yeah. So the guy, he got the debris from a lady who lived across the road from the Mm -hmm. Twin Towers and uh, he found, uh, yeah, traces of thermite and then I think traces of like uh, steel, like in little balls, like the way they said it would burn and turn into like little droplets of Mm. Of, uh, yeah, so like there was, I mean, yeah, the the guy, him, there's a lot of, here's the thing, like what's so weird about this to me is that we have this, what, what would you call it, uh, the rely on experts fallacy, I don't know what that's called, but like yeah. this whole thing of like the experts say this, the experts say this, the experts say this, but the problem with that fallacy is that we only trust the experts that the mainstream media says we should trust, and this is true of climate change is true of every all the COVID stuff it's true of everything yeah. we're constantly told trust the experts just not the ones who are like very 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 qualified and don't say the thing we want them to say so I don't want to discredit this guy right off the bat you know like he has right. he's got um, all kinds of credentials he has the evidence he's shown it he's shown the, the video footage of it um, mm-hmm. so yeah it's weird to me because like you have this thing in you that's like oh well he's not an approved source so it's like hard to like show this guy, but it, what right. makes him less approved of a source than the people who denied taking any forensic evidence of the steel built, the steel girders at all, which is what happened on the other side of it. It's interesting to me that they were so sure so early that Osama bin Laden did it, that they just never even launched an investigation that even like the nine 11 commission, it would, the, the conflicts of interest are so heavy that it, it's difficult to even call that an investigation into what happened. Yeah, I believe what it was after seven years, they basically are like, yeah, we don't know how these things came down. Like, it doesn't make sense. You're right. There's thousands of, of architects and uh, physicists and all these like uh, experts saying, yeah, that doesn't happen. Actually, do you mind if I show a video really quick? Because I feel like we've gotten so used to seeing the Twin Towers fall. And we watch the way that they fall down. And we, like as a kid, you're just like, oh, that's how buildings collapse. They just collapse straight down uh, mm-hmm. at free fall speeds. You know, like windows are exploding at 60 stories below. Like all these things, it's just normal stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But like controlled demolitions, even the ones that are done professionally, don't usually look like that. So I, I want to just show you 15 buildings in China being demolished. These are controlled demolitions. This is like them trying to bring the building straight down. And they're still not coming down as cleanly as the, or, the towers or came down. Or as fast. Right. Like, look at how much they slow down because if one floor or a few floors collapse, it's like all of the slowing down as it comes down over time. They're falling in not straight. Most of them, I think that one in the back there is falling kind of straight. So the ones that are falling straight yeah. are falling very slow. And it the, the science of how the towers came down, it's it, it's almost free fall. It's, it's not inhibited by much of anything at all. They're coming down real fast. Yeah, very fast. Yeah, pretty much exactly at free fall. So this kind of begs the question, if, if we're going with this theory of controlled demolition, how in the world with the amount of security in the World Trade Center uh, could charges have possibly been placed? Any ideas? I, I'm sure it has nothing to do with uh, all of the last minute maintenance that was done while they shut all the cameras off, uh, you know, <laughs> off the books, no records of what they were in doing maintenance for. I'm sure that has nothing to do with it at all. So I believe it was about six months before 
there was a review of the building and they there was a recommendation that some pretty significant work get done on some of the elevator shafts and the and the girders and a, they brought in a group they contacted a group called Turner Construction Turner Construction's CEO is Tom Leppard he has personal ties too any guesses uh Bush or Cheney, one of them. George W. Bush. George W. Bush. It's always a safe bet. So they were in there for months and months, pretty close to when when things happened, um, doing all this work. And so this is kind of where my construction conspiracy theory comes in again, because you could work this conspiracy frontwards or backwards. You could say that Turner was working for Bush, or you could say that Bush was covering for Turner. You could. I, I feel like the one thing that gets to me on this, like I totally understand what you're saying. I, I can't get past the free fall speeds. I can't get past. It's insane. I can't get past all of the witness evidence, uh, witness testimony of the explosions, mm-hmm. uh, the third party independent checking of the thermite. Like when you add it all together, I always go, oh, it's uh, so many little things. It's like, well, yeah, of course, it's a lot of little things, but each one of them is bad on their own. And when you add them together, it's pretty damning at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, play the devil's sure, advocate, sure. offer some uh, some yes, other yes. possible <laughs> solutions. Because I, I think that what I grew up believing was that it was multiple human failures layered on top of each other, which is right. what we see in the Challenger explosion, um, as an example, is that it's something that never should have happened, a horrible tragedy that a lot of safeguards were put in place to avoid. But basically, with, a, with NASA, each department is working on their own thing, and they have a certain percentage of acceptable risk that they know that they can they can have and each department kind of maxed out their acceptable risk and it all kind of layered on top of each other and i think this happens a lot and so i don't know i don't think it explains it's, it's this, kind of it's kind of like the challenger explosion if the challenger went up and it exploded in air and then another rocket 300 feet away collapsed at free fall <laughs> for no reason <laughs> right. just a like random that. satellite just comes down that's kind of more what it's like yeah no, I get what you're oh, saying. Like the, the thing about 9-11 that's so fascinating is no matter what way you look at it, it was a conspiracy. I like yes. I want to grant that because there was a longest time where I did not believe any of this stuff. And like the more I look into it, the more I'm like, no, this is absolutely insane. Like we haven't even gotten to the Pentagon stuff yet, which we're going to. But like all of it, like I just I can't see it mm-hmm. any other way at this point. So I'm yeah, a little biased think- here on my on my take on it. But yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we I think we'll have t- a little bit of time at the end to kind sure. of. Um, pull pull all these threads together, but basically, there's a you've referenced this a little bit earlier, but there's a lot of scientists and engineers who do not believe that the given narrative is even possible, just straight up not scientifically possible. Right. Um. Okay. Let's get into let's get into the Pentagon, and I have some theories about this because. This never really made sense to me. It seems like the main show is happening in New York City. And then this random little thing happens at the Pentagon. It's not nearly as dramatic. Like you have whole towers coming down in New York City. But the Pentagon just has like a fairly small hold in the side. By comparison, significantly less of a big deal. Yeah, I got a stinger for this. All right. Okay. So what about the Pentagon? 
what about the Pentagon? So there's no clear footage of what happened at the Pentagon. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing because this is like <laughs> so insane. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. There's, there's no plane on camera at all. At all. I've watched it. At all. <laughs> I've watched it frame by frame. Yeah. There is no plane visible in the wreckage. There's, there's nothing identifiable conclusively as a plane in the visible wreckage. The FBI was on the scene. The FBI, the yep. FBI was on the scene within minutes. They had a hundred percent control of that particular scene. And, um, this one makes even less sense than the, the two towers coming down. Right. I feel like for me, like what really changed my mind on the nine eleven stuff is, you know, I'd heard, I'd seen just as a kid, I didn't know the science. I was like, yeah, two planes hit two towers. They went down. Like, why is that? Why is there a conspiracy here? Because I never watched the documentaries. I I just saw two planes hit two towers and Mm -hmm. thought, well, of course, two towers are going to come down when they get hit by planes. That that made sense (laughs) to me. Uh, And then as I got older, I was like, it, the World Trade Center 7 thing really got me to start looking into this. And then it was the Pentagon stuff. The Pentagon mm-hmm. stuff was weird because, again, it's like we always hear about the towers. We don't like we people. I feel like people definitely know about the Pentagon, but they don't talk about it a lot in the memorial stuff. I have the cat. I need to evict this. <laughs> She's evicting the cat. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. The Pentagon stuff to me was like. Well, you'll, you'll explain it. Go ahead. Now yeah, that you've evicted yeah. your, your it's, I, my always I was always like, why? What's the Pentagon? Because <laughs> I was a kid. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> why is that important? Lame. Uh, okay. So everyone who saw the plane coming in, the flight controllers that, that saw something coming in, they all thought it was a fighter jet. They were like, finally, one of ours coming to help. And they felt safe when they saw it. Nobody who saw it thought it was a Boeing 747, as is uh, the the story. Right. Uh, flight controllers at Dulles Airport, which is right next to where I work. Uh, the the person who was allegedly the hijacker, Hani Hanju, just a month prior had been taking a flight class and was unable to handle a Cessna. Just a little simple plane. I've, I've flown one. They're not difficult. He was unable to, to do that. But apparently, allegedly, a month later, he, with a 747, executed this insane corkscrew turn, brought the plane level to the ground, and hit a very specific point on the Pentagon. Do you know what that point was, PJ? I believe it had something to do with records. Uh, yeah. So the day before, on 910. Uh, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld announced that there were $2.3 trillion missing. Completely so, so just a rounding error? Is that what we're talking about? Just like a sh- small rounding just error? Just like a small... Yeah. Okay. And, and for, for reference here, we have a significant, like trillions and trillions of dollars of debt now, but our debt was significantly less back then. $2.3 trillion was significantly more... Am I, am I wrong to say that we had a surplus back then before? Like we're so used to $30 trillion of debt now, but we like that's because of the war on terror and everything that's come since. We still had debt back then. Right. But not, believe, yeah. But not. I, not that much. Right. Like all of our debt has come since, th- since this. Yeah. Well, yeah. Most, Pretty most much of all it. Of it. Yeah. yeah. 
So, okay, apparently this guy executed this crazy turn, hit this very specific point in the building where they were trying to do the math and figure out where this money had gone. This part of the building uh, was super duper reinforced. It was more reinforced than any other part of the building, which kept it from influencing more of the building. This part of the building usually housed about 5,000 people, but for some reason there was under a couple hundred there that day. Yeah, I think it was 125-ish casualties. Yeah, 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 it it was, it's still a lot of people to die. It's still horrible, but it's a lot less than 5,000. Right, yeah. It's almost like somebody knew it was coming. Oh, almost. Almost. The the manifest (laughs) of the plane that allegedly hit, but nobody saw, is suspiciously light on passengers, but suspiciously heavy on, it's like less than half full heavy on military and intelligence passengers the type of people who were allegedly on that plane were not your typical run-of-the-mill joes yeah i think they said it was a third of the way full and uh in the in the loose change documentary he goes through like seat by seat and shows Mm -hmm. you know these were department of defense people these were military people these were navy people like it was like 80 percent of the people on this plane were in the government or working for the government in some way one of the people on this plane was Barbara Olson. Uh, she was a conservative, allegedly, was a conservative commentator and attorney. She was the wife of Solicitor General Ted Olson. And he said that she called him twice from a cell phone. When it was pointed out to him that a cell phone could not have worked at that altitude, especially the cell phones of back then, in 2001 like we, we are looking at all of this through the lens of today's technology and we forget like how <laughs> how cell phones were back then right. he changed his story to say that she called from an onboard phone uh want to make any guesses about the onboard phone on that plane non-existent non-existent right plane so did I, not have I, one i, I just want to cut you off really quick um katie zed in chat said is that 125 people counting on the plane i just googled this i was right it was exactly 125 yeah. it was 77 uh at the at the pentagon and 59 mm-hmm. were including all the planes so yes 125 total and half yeah. of the almost half were on the plane yeah so 77 yeah. in this mm-hmm. wing of the pentagon which is a massive building like you said that section would normally house 5,000 people. So like insane. I mean, this was pretty early in the morning and, and the, the hit on in New York city, uh, the two hits in New York city had happened enough away that, you know, maybe they were just like, don't bother coming to work today. It's just too traumatic, but it's still, it's pretty suspicious, especially, you know, the Pentagon, the place where you're. Yeah. Uh, well, the place that should best. be like working overtime on a day like this, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I want to go back to the phone calls. Did you listen to the the phone calls? Some of them. I have heard some of them, but yeah, go for it. I, I don't have them off. Like I don't have them off the top of my head, but I was listening to some of them. Some of them are in the documentary, and then some of them I heard other places or read transcripts. Yeah. They're weird. They're like they really, really weird. weird. And not only that, but there's a lot of them. And I don't just mean this plane. Mm-hmm. I mean all of the planes. Like there's a lot of people in 2000 on their cell phones in the air. So again, I, I think they said the the success rate of connecting a call at the, the altitudes that they were talking about was like one to 10% on in many of mm-hmm. these. Like if that, like you could maybe, maybe, maybe if you had a good cell phone connect um, in the air and the closer you got, the better it got. But 
it was a lot of phone calls. And one guy, I think, was on the phone for a half an hour with his gardener and saying he like knew yeah. the plane was hijacked. Who calls their gardener to be like, hey, uh, these are my final words. There's one, the weirdest one to me, he calls his, the guy calls his wife and he's like, the plane has been hijacked. They say they have bombs. Right. Um, they, you know, these guys have done this. And, and she's <laughs> like, what guys? And he's like, you believe me, right? Yeah, that one was weird. But also, you the bomb thing is, it, no one, I haven't heard anyone make this point, but the bomb thing is weird because if one guy on the same plane is saying, hey, we've been hijacked, we have bombs, and then someone else on that exact same plane is saying, I'm not sure what's going on. Oh, look, there's a building. Boom, the phone call ends. That was another phone call. Like, they're, they're, they're contradicting each other. Either they all have no, yeah. they're all being told they've been hijacked and there's bombs on the plane, or they have no idea. And they're the same right. people, the same plane where these phone the calls are plane. coming from. Yeah. I mean, the I more guess you listen you to them, the say, more fake they seem. Yeah, they're really weird. And this was, you know, this is before people were told to put their planes, their, their planes, their phones on airplane mode. Their planes on phone mode. Yeah. But still, be, I always put my plan on, uh, Phone on mode. phone mode. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it does help, you know, prevent it from crashing into buildings, but. That's the real conspiracy here is that the real reason that the planes hit the buildings because everyone was on their cell phone. Yep. Yeah. It's like 30 yeah, calls so coming many, from a plane so with calls. 60 people. Yeah. There are so many calls. They're really weird and they're, they're trotted out. They have been trotted out as like these heart wrenching things. Like look at all these people who called their families and it's just, it's, it's weird. Now, I remember the phone calls very much in the early days. Yeah. Um, and again, this is what has always gotten to me about 9-11 is that over the years, the way we look back and we do the memorials has always changed. Like it's changed mm -hmm. a little bit over the years. And it seems to me if you were like a news station going for like a gut wrenching, remember, hashtag never forget moment, you'd play these phone calls and they don't seem to do that and haven't for a long time. I, think I don't think they've done weird. it since it was debunked that you could make calls at that altitude. Right. Yeah, that's my point is they're kind of just like, I eh, don't pay attention to that. But yeah, weird, weird stuff. Yeah. Why okay, would they so fake the a bunch of weird... phone calls? You know what I mean? If this was a yeah. real thing, why would they fake a bunch of phone calls? Because that's the, the only conclusion you can actually get from listening to these phone calls and reading the transcripts is that they were definitely fake. Like, I can't see any other way about it. Why would mm -hmm. you fake them if it was not planned. That's right. a weird one to me. The other thing is that these phone calls were used to, especially um, Barbara Olson's was used to, to confirm that what the hijackers had was knives and box cutters. The knives and box cutters thing came from her phone call. And that was used to propel the TSA forward, to propel the need for, you know, how could these hijackers have done this? Well, they had these small things. We need all of this security to keep small, tiny things from getting through because they can be used like this. These, the phone calls were, were a big part of the puzzle of, of airport security moving forward. Yeah, airport other, security completely changed after this. Yeah. yeah and much. I under I understand why. I mean, people were really scared. And I think I want to get back to this. Like I want to circle sure. back to how scared people were. Sure. But there's another weird thing about the Pentagon. I've already talked about how there was no pieces of plane on the outside. The hole is too small. 
the hole is too small for a 747. It, at the very least, its wings needed to have broken off and, and the engines and wings to have been left outside the building. There's, there's no way that a, a whole plane could get inside the way that it's said to have done. Right. There's no damage on the building where the wings would have expanded, where the tail fin would have expanded, and the uh, engines were, I think, nine feet across, and they were mm-hmm. made of titanium. Yeah, and so the official story is what? That this plane just disintegrated from from all the heat? I, I believe that that's what it was. And speaking of planes just disintegrating. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> was there a plane that just completely disintegrated that day, Abby? Uh, yeah, the one in Shanksville. It, I was thinking about this a couple years ago because I was doing social media posts for my work honoring 9-11 because we're a military charity. And so I was trying to pull a good photo of Shanksville. And I was thinking, yeah, I mean, obviously I should be able to find a photo of the plane sitting in the field the way that you would see any any plane crash. No, there, there's there's no photo that's like more than just a little bit of there's a fifth, weird rubble. There's a 15 by 20 foot hole and every piece of rubble was smaller than a suitcase. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and this doesn't, this doesn't happen. Like the, no. the, the loose change documentary detailed a whole lot of plane crashes that were, you know, from similar heights that don't look like that into the sides of mountains. Ones that were actually blown up with bombs over mm-hmm. like in the air and then came down. Commercial planes just do not disintegrate upon crashing. Now, here's here's the other really weird thing. This this really gets to me. In both Shanksville and uh, in New York City, the FBI found driver's licenses of the hijackers to be able to identify them. So the whole plane disintegrated, but a small piece of pl- plastic makes it through and uh, personal effects of, of passengers to confirm that there were actually people on the plane. Yeah. So it was, it was both at the world trade center where the hijackers passport was found. So a fireball like walks away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, the plane explodes a giant fireball. Everyone inside the plane and the plane itself is disintegrated and burned up and a piece of paper makes it from outside of this guy's pocket through the fireball through the tower out into the street unharmed to be picked up by an FBI agent to say, look, and this is the link that that passport in particular was the link to Al Qaeda. Yes. A passport that was found two blocks away from the World Trade Center where the the ball of jet fuel was so powerful that it brought down the first building in the world to ever before or ever since fall because of fire. Right. And that's how we link to Al Qaeda. Well, the one thing I've learned from media coverage is that jet fuel can melt steel beams, but not passports. But it's a very interesting chemical compound. Uh, yeah, so what, the one in Pennsylvania was even weirder, though, because what, what did they find there? They found a full, intact bandana with no burns, right? Do you have the, the list of stuff they found? I don't have a list, but I, I there were some personal effects of, of passengers, flight attendants, just conveniently identifying things. Things that right. not only did they, it but wasn't not a like, titanium, oh, we found this. But not a titanium, <laughs> uh, yeah, jet 
engine. No right? fuselage. Yeah. No fuselage. <laughs> no jet engine. Just an intact bandana, a driver's license, a passport, and a few pieces of paper. Yeah. It, it, stuff, and not just like random clothing, but stuff that was used to identify people on the flight to be like, oh, yes, your family member was, in fact, in this crash. Yeah. Yep. That was my homie's red bandana right there. <laughs> like, I, you la- you have to laugh at it because it makes no sense. That's what's so crazy about this is I, I admit for the longest time just thinking this all made sense. The conspiracy theorists were weird. And the more I look into it, the more I'm like, I can't believe any of the narrative. Like, all of it's so silly on its face. Like, who writes this? Who writes that, mm-hmm. you know, 60 people on an 80-person plane made phone calls from cell phones in 2000? Like... If it happened today, it would be weird. Who's on the like? Who's on their cell phone on a plane? I didn't even know cell phones existed. Right? Who knew? Did you know anybody with a cell phone in two thousand one? Nope. I knew like people with pagers. I knew one person with a cell phone. How did every one of these people have a cell phone? (laughs) And then they worked. They worked. That's that just doesn't make any sense. But you could believe it. In 2001, I guess, because you just don't think about it. You're like, okay, cool, cell phones. I don't know anything about these things. I don't know anything about calling someone from a plane. Fewer people flew regularly, I think. Um, Right. Fewer people had cell phones to know whether or not they did exist on a plane. Fewer people had even tried to make a a cell phone call. Katie Zed's cool. She says she had a cell phone in 2001. My grandparents had a car phone in 2001. (laughs) Remember car phones? Yeah, no, like, I'm not saying no one had a cell phone. I'm saying, like, not everyone did. And not mm-hmm. to the point where everyone had a cell phone on, a, like, that many people. Like, if you if you had the percentage of people with a cell phone, mm-hmm. right, and then you took the percentage of people that made cell phone calls from the plane, it does not, like, statistically make any sense. Yeah. So I want to take, like, the remainder of the show to kind of tease out what we think about things. Sure. But I wanted to preface by saying... We get that a lot of people died. Like it, this was this was a horrific tragedy. And I, even as I have teased this show online, there have been people who have been mad at me for even questioning. People who are very very loyal to the military. Uh, I, I tweeted about NORAD being busy that day uh, with war games, and, and people were were mad. And I I get it. I think that this this. 9-11 stoked this fire of patriotism in us, um, trust in our military. Somehow it, it really like banded us together as a nation behind our military to fight an enemy. And I think it's really, really difficult for a lot of people to even begin to poke holes in this story. I think that's exactly why it was difficult for me because of the patriotism angle, because of the military angle. And mm-hmm. I look back at now and I'm like, First of all, none of this stuff is a condemnation of anything the military members did. I think mm-hmm. that I think that's like I, I, I don't know how you'd make that conclusion, but I get it. Like to say that these people who who went and fought, you know, and died, that their sacrifices and all that stuff was in vain. It's not. It's not like <clears throat> it's not a condemnation of them. It's a condemnation if this stuff is true, which I think it is, of our government and where they're willing to go and what they're willing to do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, 3000 people was 2,996. The official count people died that day. And I think it is important how and and why. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. So uh, this is just where we get into personal theories. I think we brought up a lot. I think the strongest, the strongest argument against this is 
that the government could not have been competent enough to pull up off such an elaborate thing. And I would say, well, but the government did pull off the moon landing. Every once in a while, they really, really care about something. They, they do manage to pull off some really, really intricate things. And I do think that, well, do you think Al-Qaeda and Bin Laden were involved at all? I, I don't think that was Bin Laden in the videos. <laughs> the guy who kept getting older and younger, and I don't know. Yeah, you should you should talk about that because this yeah. loose change didn't really cover this. But so we're at the hour point. This is normally where we would let you guys go and go over to Rumble to chat with the audience. Do we want to do that today? We want to keep this one up on YouTube as well. I think we were thinking we wanted to keep this one up on YouTube to have the full conversation since it's such a intense topic okay so yeah we're gonna keep this one up on uh we're gonna keep this up on youtube and everywhere so we'll um we got through our main part of the segment so no, like i said normally this is where we're gonna chat with the audience and stuff like that so feel free to ask questions join things in chat and we'll give our own theories and listen to your guys as well i think we'll we'll end it here for the audio only listeners uh so they don't, it might be a little confusing not be able to see the chat so uh um, yeah, thank you guys for if you're listening to this, come over to YouTube, Rumble, all that good stuff. Find Conspiracy Pilled. I'll uh, we'll be here every Wednesday at 7:03 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> <laughs>